bottom line is uh, we got to start educating our young people. It doesn't matter about where you, uh, you start. It doesn't matter even about where you finish. It matters how you finish. Mm. How you finish is debt free. Can you think about our young people graduating college today and they're debt free, making $48,000 a year at the age of 22, 23 years old? That is amazing. Let's just say they come out making the, the average, which is about 38,000. That is still good because now that's all their income and they're just paying their, their uh, rent and, and the normal bills and they can build from there. Mm. And so I'm a huge advocate of just making sure that you choose the right school choice, nothing wrong with community college, uh, nothing wrong with trade schools, nothing wrong with going to the military to have them pay for it. And there's nothing wrong going to an Ivy League school. I tell this to anyone, um, I'm not worried about where you go. My thing is go there debt free. I'm Doug Bobst personal trainer, best-selling author, and entrepreneur, and I'm on a mission to help others become the best version of themselves. So I'd like to welcome you to the Adversity Advantage podcast, where we will help you use obstacles, failures, and setbacks to give you that edge needed for success. I'll be interviewing people from all walks of life on how they overcame trials and turned them into triumphs. So please sit back, relax, and get ready to be absolutely blown away by some of the wisdom and stories you're about to hear. Welcome back to another episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bobst, and today's guest, we have the man, the myth, the legend, Ramsey personality, Anthony O'Neill, and we talked all things student loan debt. We talked about how to live debt-free. We talked about the current state of the country and Anthony's views on that. We talked about why fitness is so crucial for your mental health and so much more. And for those of you who don't know anything about Anthony, um, since 2003, he has helped hundreds of thousands of people make smart decisions with their money, relationships, and education. He's a number one national best-selling author of Debt-Free Degree and national best-selling author of The Graduate Survival Guide. He recently released Destroy Your Student Loan Debt. He travels the country spreading his encouraging message to help teens and young adults start their lives off right and people of all ages succeed with money. You can follow Anthony on YouTube and Instagram at Anthony O'Neill and online at anthonyoneal.com or Facebook at www.facebook.com slash A O'Neill. Anthony, thanks for coming on. Hey, man. Thank you so much for having me on, Doug. Appreciate the time and the opportunity. Yeah, man. So just before we were recording, we were chatting about fitness and I know like you're just saying you got like a kink in your neck because you're, you know, switching up to two a days. Right. And I know like right now, obviously there's a lot of stress in the world. There's a lot of adversity. There's a lot of uncertainty. What role has fitness played in your life um, to kind of help you stay mentally stable and, you know, sound during, during trying times? I mean, you know, fitness has, has played a major role, Doug. That's mm-hmm. just a good question, man, because, um, you know, fitness, the hardest part, with fitness is not in the gym. The hardest part is getting up. It, it's, it's when I wake up at five o'clock in the morning, I have to literally throw myself out of the bed <laughs> and crawl my way into the bathroom to wash my face. But once I get up and I'm, and I'm moving around, getting into the gym is actually easier because uh, the mental state of what it takes for me to get into the gym is the hardest part. So uh, the fitness for me has played a major role in my life because it's teaching me everything is mental more so mm. practical once you get it done in your mind your body can do the rest so it's just like with money it's like once i say okay i'm gonna live in my budget and i get over that it's easy to do budgeting because mentally i'm there so uh, fitness has played a ma- major role 
Yeah, man. It's definitely played a major role in my life too. And I appreciate everything you said about the mental aspect, the diligence, the dedication that you got to do to kind of get up, get it done. And I found fitness when I was incarcerated on felony drug charges. And that's where it really saved my life was when my cellmate was like, you know, you got to start working out, man. You got to take care of yourself. And I only, I only knew about the physical benefits. I had no idea how much better it made me feel about myself, my, you know, getting comfortable, being uncomfortable, the dedication, the hard work. And so I definitely hear you on that. And, you know, with that being said, when I was incarcerated, I got immersed. Obviously, there's a lot of different cultures in there, you know, all races. And, and I know I saw a post on your Instagram the other day, and it just talked about um, the net worth of Americans based on race. And it showed the, the disparity, um, the disparity between races and net worth. And, you know, what do you think, what do you believe at the root of this disparity is that what is at the root of this disparity? And what do you think needs to happen to close the gap? Yeah, when we look at the uh, racial wealth gap between uh, African-Americans and that particular study that you're quoting, uh, they actually were talking about African-Americans, Caucasians and uh, Latinos. Uh, mm-hmm. That study is showing that uh, for every $100 that a white Caucasian individual may have, uh, the average black person wealth means they'll have about right around $5.48. And I always say this to everyone, when we say wealth, that is night and day from income. So income is what you make on your paycheck what you bring in. Wealth is what do you have saved and invested. Mm. And so um, I think there's a lot of things that plays into that. We had everything from systemic racism, some may say. But for me, I think it's all about uh, what can I control and what am I doing with the income that I have now? So if I'm making $50,000 a year, am I living below that budget, below that income? If I'm making $100,000 a year, am I living below that? Am I living in a million-dollar home and I'm only making you know, 80,000 a year. And so uh, when it comes to that, I just think it's the lack of education. Um, uh, some, some issues come from systemic racism, unfortunately, mm-hmm. uh, but the bulk of it comes from the decisions that we're making on a day-to-day basis with our own personal finances. Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, you're right. I think, you know, it comes a lot into decision-making. It comes into the choices we make. We all have a responsibility. I think to kind of control what we can control. I just actually had your buddy Chris Hogan on earlier today and I was interviewing him and he was talked about controlling the controllables. Yes. And I think we have that in front of us. And I know for me, I have a, I have a choice whether I'm going to brush my teeth, what I'm going to eat for breakfast, whether I'm going to work out, how I'm going to treat the people around me. And with that being said, I know you've been really passionate since, you know, everything happened with George Floyd about sharing, you know, your thoughts and, and prayers and everything else. So I want to kind of put you on the spot a little bit, if you don't mind. So politics aside, like imagine you're captain and you're steering the ship of the United States. And just and let's just say like money's not an, an object right now. What changes do you think would, that we could make to create more equal opportunities and resources? Man, you know, I think uh, that's a good question. You know, I think right now we definitely have to do a deeper dive into uh, the police, you know, as mm. far as getting rid of the bad ones. Mm. I, I can definitely go on record and say I do not believe every police officer is a bad police officer. Uh, but do we have some ones uh, that are bad? Absolutely. Right. Um, you know, so that will be one thing I would do, you know, in, in that space is just make sure that I'm looking at and examining all of my police officers and getting rid of the ones who are not treating everyone equally, treating everyone right. That's black or white or right. Hispanic or Latino. Um, I don't care who you are. You know, right is right and wrong is wrong and the wrong, wrong one's got to go. So that will be uh, the main thing that I would, I would focus on. And then just have a conversation like, hey, we, we really need to lead with love. Mm. Uh, we are called to protect. We are called to uh, love people and help them get home safe and 
and help them transition to wherever they're going safely. So um, that would be the second thing that I would have. But that's a great question, man. But I, I definitely want to say um, on record, not everyone's bad. You know, not right. everyone's a racist, but let's get a, let's get rid of the ones who are. Yeah, I agree. And even just from my own perspective, you know, and just and just kind of seeing what's going on, I think lead. There's no no better way than lead with love, understanding, and empathy. And listen, I think so many times we we all were the first to talk, and we have our own ideas, we have our own solutions. We said, "I'll do this, I'll do that," and it's like, well, why not? Like, why not? Like, ask questions and, and listen. And then reflect. You might have to. You might not agree with everything, right? But you can certainly listen and gain understanding, and gain empathy. I believe like listening and asking questions is what opens the doors to help others, right? Yeah, and that was the same thing that happened with me, man. You know, when I uh, I, can't, I come from a predominantly black uh, culture background before joining Ramsey Solutions, and and I'll say about ninety seven percent of us in this building are are white. Uh, when I first got here, you know, Dave. Uh, often calls himself a redneck, and I'm like, "Well, redneck? What? what, what and I get upset. I'm like, what? The, what? 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 Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, that sounds racist to me. And what you said is so true. Before I responded, I actually stepped back and I asked a question, like, "Hey, when I hear that word, I hear it from a negative perspective, mm-hmm. and you educate me to help me understand because I know you're not a racist, but that comes off that way." And so I think that's very important, not just for white people to black people, but even for black people to white people. Let's ask and let's learn each other and be willing to just sit there and, and listen and listen to not respond, but listen to understand. Mm. And I think if we both can do that. Uh, then we'll, a lot of the issues we're facing right now in America, uh, we can solve. Uh, but uh, right now, we, we need to do a lot of listening um, and a lot of asking the right questions. Yeah, you're right. And I think, you know, anytime you're, you have two opposing sides and people are just throwing, standing there throwing stuff at each other, you know what I mean? And kind of fighting and just not really like looking internally to say, okay, like, am I leading with love? Am I really understanding that person's point of view? You know, I, I think we get ourselves into trouble and it doesn't matter what, what issue we're facing, whether it's something current going on or even like, you know, stuff that's gone on in the past of all different varieties. And I think the one thing that I really, inspires me about your story is how you've taken a big trial in your life and turned it into something major. I know for you, you were, you know, you kind of kicked out of college, right? And your, your mom, I believe it tried to educate you, I think on credit card on debt, right? She like told you not to get your first credit card and you did it anyway. You racked up like, was it like 15, 20 grand in credit card debt? And now you're, you're the front man, right? For helping people, not only with debt, but something that's huge student loan debt, which I think is like one of the biggest, if not the biggest you know, debt causers in America. So second one, second one is, yeah. what's, what's number one? Is it? Um, you have the, the student loan crisis is, uh, that's the, not, it's not the second. It is the first biggest crisis. Yeah. Um, so like what kind of was going through your mind when you racked up all that debt and you got kicked out of college and like, how did you like transition into like wow. being where you are today? That's a good question. You know, raising up my, um, I have four parents. So I have mm-hmm. two biological parents and two step parents. And there was two ma- major conversations that we had. The first conversation was about the law, you know, how to get home safe. Mm-hmm. And the second conversation was at the law from a biblical perspective. Here's mm-hmm. how you do not go to hell. So I grew up in a very strong Christian faith background. Right. Uh, we never had a conversation about finances. So when I go off to college and I apply for my very first credit card, like you said earlier, my mom didn't educate me. She just said, hey, son, do not do this credit card. <laughs> you don't need it. Well, there was no education. She just told me what to what not to do. 
So with me being older, I'm like, mom, I don't have to listen to you anymore. Mm. I'm gonna go do me. And I did that. And you were right, racked up $15,000 in credit card, uh, $10,000 in furniture bill, $10,000 in student loans when I didn't even need them uh, because I had my father's GI bill plus a partial scholarship from the, for, for debating. And so I'm $35,000 in debt, participate in some things, be transparent uh, on a campus that I should not have done. Uh, it was a bad mm. decision. And unfortunately that cost me my college um, experience. And so because of all the bad decisions that I've made, you know, my father was like, hey, since you've made these decisions, you have to now live with them as a consequence because men do not come home to mom and dad. We, we got to do it. We have to live with it. And so um, that was the season that kind of shifted my whole life. For six months of my life, I'm sleeping in the back of my car. The majority of those nights and some of those other nights, I'm staying at a friend's house, sleeping on the floor uh, when I shouldn't. I shouldn't have to do that, man. You know, both sides of my family are not, they weren't rich. They're still not rich, uh, but they're far from broke. You know, they... They're the average American. They got a roof over their head, hot water, good food to eat. Uh, and here I am sleeping in the back of my car, showering at the YMCA, the Boys and Girls Club, uh, just so I can, you know, uh, freshen up myself. And I think the thing that really got me out of that season was I had to really step back and realize that the caliber of my future uh, will be determined by the choices that I make. And my future was looking horrible because I made horrible decisions. Mm. And so when I stopped pointing my fingers at everyone else and started pointing the fingers at myself, I said, I'm the reason why I'm here. In the back of the car, I remember one night, I'm blaming God, I'm blaming my friends, I'm blaming my parents, I'm blaming the girl that I tried to impress. I'm blaming all these people except for myself. I control my narrative. I control my future. And that was the moment that I said, you know what? I'm gonna change my future. I'm gonna make better decisions today. So that so this way I can impact my tomorrow, and not only then, uh, I said also, yo, not only will I change my life, but when I change my life, I'm going to travel around the world and teach young people uh, how to avoid the mistakes that I've made, and uh, just being grateful to partner with Dave and to travel around the world and to speak on the major platforms that I have. What a testimony, man, and what a an amazing feat that you have overcome, because. You know, let's face it, a lot of people would be in your position. They'd get kicked out of college. They'd rack up a bunch of debt and they'd hit that rock bottom moment. And that rock bottom moment, we just getting further and further. And the 35 grand turns into 75 and turns into 150. And then yeah. you're experimenting with, you know, all sorts of things that are bringing you down even further. And you kind of like, you know, really use that as a, as a way to be like, you know what, like, I got to be responsible for myself and my choices. I got to get myself out of this. And I relate so much to that. I mean, when I was in jail, I was blaming, you know, my parents. I was blaming the people who bullied me in school. I was blaming the drugs. And I pretty much had to get rid of the victim mentality because I just, I knew like, I was like, okay, if I was playing the victim up until, you know, I was 21 at the time, up until 21, I'm in jail and I've had 21 jobs. So realistically, that doesn't work. Yeah. yeah. So I, if I take responsibility for my choices, my actions and my thoughts and all that stuff, it can at least give me a shot. Yeah. Right. And the one thing I want to ask is student loan. Whenever when I was going to school, student loans were like the big thing. I was like, my parents, did you fill out your student loan applications? Did you fill out FAFSA? Did you fill out all these different forms to try to get money that was lent to us to go to school? And from what I understand, now going to college can cost like 300 grand for some of these schools. So what would you say are like maybe like a few of the misnomers when it comes to student loans that people just don't think about and how it can get them into trouble? 
Yeah, you know, when we really step back and look at this student loan uh, debacle that we're in right now, uh, you're right. It could cost you $300,000 to go to school, depending on the school you go to. The average in-state uh, for a four-year degree plus tuition plus um, your room and board will cost you about $100,000. So, mm. um, you know, that's for an in-state. So what I'm recommending to everyone, if, if you really, really, really want to go to school completely debt-free, uh, you got to take debt off of the table because what we're seeing right now, the average students can graduate with about $35,000 in student loan debt. But a fifth of these young people are going to graduate with about, about $100,000 uh, in mm-hmm. student loan debt and some up to $200,000, dollars So let's, 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 let's look at a fact here. Uh, the average house in America is about $175,000 to $190,000. So you have a fifth of young people graduating with a mortgage payment but do not own any real estate. That is horrible. That, that is just horrible. And so the average student thinks that when they graduate college, they'll be able to pay off their student loans within three years. But studies show 12 years later, the average student still owes about 65% of their loan, principal and interest. Mm. Really deep dive, the minority community owes 113% 12 years after they graduate. So this is a huge, huge, huge issue. Uh, Student loans is, is not a right. Bottom line is uh, we got to start educating our young people. It doesn't matter about where you, uh, you start. It doesn't matter even about where you finish. It matters how you finish. Mm. How you finish is debt-free. Can you think about our young people graduating college today and they're debt-free, making $48,000 a year at the age of 22, 23 years old? That is amazing. Let's just say they come out making the, the average, which is about $38,000. That is still good because now that's all their income and they're just paying their, their uh, rent and, and the normal bills and they can build from there. Mm. And so I'm a huge advocate of just making sure that you choose the right school choice. Nothing wrong with community college, uh, nothing wrong with trade schools, nothing wrong with going to the military to have them pay for it. And there's nothing wrong going to an Ivy League school. I tell this to anyone. I'm, I'm not worried about where you go. My thing is go there debt free. That's the bottom line. So if Harvard, Yale, Princeton, Duke, if they give you a full ride, you go get the education. Uh, but if a community college says, hey, we'll give you the first two years free and you can transfer to your local in-state college there and go there for free, I'm doing that before I go to Harvard and spend $300,000 on it because I care about my future. Colleges, the name of the college, doesn't, it doesn't make our young people. We make ourselves. Mm. Okay, We do. If I'm willing to put in the work, be a young man of integrity, and really just focus and be determined, I will be successful. Harvard doesn't make that. Uh, the local in-state college doesn't make that. I do. You do. Listeners do. And so th- that's what I'm teaching. That's my message to young people. Yeah, there's so much I want to dive into about that because um, there's so many thoughts I have. And the one thing that just came to mind is from just from people I know who own businesses and are hiring people, it's personality over diploma. Come like on. it's per- right? <laughs> like it's personality over diploma. Like you could have the diploma from X, Y, and Z college. You could have master's, graduate, doctorate. But if you don't know how to talk to people, if you don't know how to like look somebody in the face, you don't know how to like really just have build relationships. Like it's, it means really doesn't really mean much. And the same in the adverse is if you have somebody from a smaller college who just is like somebody who just is, has a lot of grit and determination and fortitude and has built their way up, they're probably going to get hired because that's what's going to last. And I look at that in my, in the fitness business, I see, I saw a lot of people, with all these degrees, all these letters after their names, but they couldn't talk to people. They couldn't build relationships with people. So like talking about like why the knee bones connected to the hip bone or whatever, in the most like scientific way, 
isn't going to relate to that person who just wants to like feel better about themselves. Right. And so one of the other things I wanted to say is there's a couple, number one, I think a lot of people go to college. I mean, they, before they're too young, I think sometimes because they're making these crazy financial decisions when they're 18, 19, sometimes 17 years old, and they don't even know what they're signing their life of. They don't even know what they really want to do. They haven't evolved totally, right? And things change. I mean, how many people do you know that end up getting a degree and they don't use it? They have all this debt and they're in another industry, which there's nothing wrong with that. That was meant for them to happen that way. But just from the, the debt itself, like, you're right. I think there needs to be more, you know, structure and patience with these kids before they make these decisions. Do you think it is like a maturity thing? Do you think kids are just like, you know what, I just want to go to school so I can go party so I can go get out of my house. I'll sign whatever note I can. Or do you think it's just more that they're just not as educated by their families and, and other people? I think it's a bit of everything, man. I think you have some kids who are very mature, um, but they are going for the experience, not for the mm. education. I think you have young kids who, had, who are very mature, but they are, are lacking the education. You know, um, I know several young people. I actually just did a a panel for a documentary that I'm working on with just high school students. Um, and when you start, when we started the panel, all of them said, yeah, I'm, I'm taking out student loans. I'm gonna go here. I'm gonna go there. I'm gonna go here. These are all straight A young kids. Mm. By the end of that panel, none of them said, I'm taking out student loans. It's like, no, I, I don't want to take out student loans. What's the difference between the beginning and the ending? The education. Mm. And I think that the lack of financial education and exposing all options on how to get uh, the further education um, is hurting our young people. You know, isn't it funny that we'll protect young people from, from buying liquor, from, from buying cigars, from buying cigarettes, uh, but then we'll allow them to sign up for $100,000 in loans. We'll just give them, that's going to impact their life for the rest of their life. Isn't it funny that um, we're not spending the time to educate our young people in high school on financial literacy? but we're educating them so they can go get a job, but then not be good stewards of what the job brings them, which is income. And so I think the real bulk of this, the, the answer uh, to your question is the lack of financial literacy being mm. taught in our homes, in our schools, and just in our education system period for our young people. You're right. A hundred percent, Anthony. And I think you know, I'm not saying geometry and chemistry and things like that aren't important, but I'm also like wondering like why like things like budgeting and, and balancing a checkbook and, you know, financial literacy and, and mental health and emotional, you know, the child, you know, I know JD, you know, on your team, he talks a lot about that. Like, why aren't they aren't talked about in schools? Yeah. Because these, these problems are going to come up and even more so as the rise of social media and the technology and the easier access we have to distractions and stress. And, I just know from my own experience that, you know, I think people just want to fit in when they go to college. Sometimes they want to say, Oh, all my friends are going to college. I'm going to go too. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I don't want to be that guy or that gal or whatever to go to the community college. I mean, I was a five, I, I, I just got my two year degree like two years ago. I'm 33 magna cum laude, you know, but general, but I just, it was just slow and steady. But what I've realized is I am by the grace of God, thankful that I didn't put myself on a bunch of student loan debt because of what I'm doing right now. I don't, I didn't, I don't need that. And here's my, you know, and I'm going to say this and your, and your, your tribe may or may not like it, but it is what it is. I believe education is very important. 
But you know what? The actual piece of paper of a degree reminds me of cars. It's just losing its value. Mm. It's like it's, it's, it's just depreciating. Now, education is important. I believe every single day we should be learning. Every single day we should be growing our business, which is our mind. So I'm very big on that. But the actual piece of paper of the, of the diploma, I think it's just losing this value because we put so much stress on, go get this, go get this, go get that. But then you're right. You don't need it. I don't need mm-hmm. it. A lot of people don't need it. A lot of people not even, not even using uh, their degrees. Studies show that um, out of three young people who graduate high school, two of them will go off to college. One of them will actually complete. Mm. And you still have millionaires. You still have successful people. A lot of your billionaires right now don't even have a bachelor's degree. Why? Because they're willing to put in the work, like you said. They can talk to people. They can lead people. They'll surround themselves with the right people to help build their vision, to help build their goals. So, um, again, I want to say I'm huge on education, uh, but I believe that there are different ways to get it. Some of that is college. Some of it is trade schools. Some of it is community college. Some of it is going out into the workforce and just doing real life education. Some of it is going to the military and getting that education. Uh, so, you know, I think everyone needs to step back and, and just examine what's the best route for me to grow and to make some profit. Yeah. I mean, you bring up some really good points in that it's important that we're evolving as a society. Like there's cell phones now, there's cars, there's, you know, there's there's things around us where it's not like back in the day where, you know, there was no phones, there was no technology and you were like walking everywhere where like there was the accessibility wasn't what it is today. Yes. You, can, you can learn anything right now on YouTube, Google, you could, you know, buy a course from, you know, you guys at Ramsey for, you know, X amount and get taught more about financial literacy than you would in four years. In, I'm being serious. Like one of the things I highly respect about Dave's programs um, and that's what I kind of like kind of really got me in was how simple it is. Simple. Right? Simple. Yes. Like, <laughs> like in how easy it is to understand how easy it is for anybody to take these baby steps and understand. You don't have to agree with every, I mean, I'm sure most people don't agree with everything, but they could probably say, you know what? I, th- I see how this, w- how this works. I see the value in this. It's easy. Yeah. And that's what? a couple hundred dollars or whatever it costs to go through financial peace. I mean, it's probably less now than, but exactly. um, free now. So any of your listeners who want to ask to go check it out, it's normally, like you said, about $140, but uh, right now we're offering it for free for 14 days, you know, so they can go to DaveRamsey.com for slash hope to take it. But like you said right there, that's free education, you know, yeah. days that you'll get more in that, those nine classes than you will in a semester on campus somewhere. Yeah. And I, I, just, I bring this up because to your point, like, I agree with you. I think the diploma is just a piece of paper and I go back and forth with, with people I know. I'm like, well, like, what, what is it? Do you need a degree? I mean, if you're going to be a doctor, if you're going to be a lawyer, if you're going to be an engineer, I mean, yes. Yes, please. <laughs> I want a doctor. <laughs> yeah. An operation on me and you learned this off of YouTube, but ask yourself this, Doug, you know, when is the last time you've been in your lawyer's office or your doctor's office and ask them what school did they go to? Right. If they went graduated from Harvard or Yale or Princeton or Duke. No, you don't care. You just know that they went to school and they're educated to do what they're doing. And they're likable, right? And they're likable. Likable. Yes. My doctor has to smile. If he don't smile, but he goes, <laughs> I don't like him because you, you gotta you gotta help me be healthy. So you need to smile and be healthy. I and I, I think like it's like it all goes back to you know, even everything that you guys teach at Ramsey Solution that 
you know, you're having a piece of paper to impress people you don't even know. Don't even know. So you're, you're getting that degree from whatever college it is. And not, and not to say that you, it's judging somebody who does, but really, like, like you said, people want someone who's going to be likable, personable, approachable, approachable, you know, affable, like dedicated, all these things. And if you have the degree doesn't make that the degree just, it just symbolizes, I guess, where you went to school. Right. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, you know, getting yourself into a bunch of debt and taking a risk because a lot of people, it's a huge risk. Like people don't think about the risk involved with a hundred, 200, $300,000 in debt that there's no guarantee you're going to get this, this big job. There's no guarantee you're going to make it back. Right. But you know what though, uh, Doug, I posted a, a post on my Instagram this morning and I'm, I'm getting a lot of DMS and a lot of questions about it. Mm. But the reason why people do not look at the amount of debt that they have is because they only look at how much they have to pay monthly. Mm. So I think they don't really feel it. It's like, okay, cool. I'll pay $200. I'll pay $300. I'll pay 99. I'll pay 199. And before you know it, they have $4,000 worth of bills every month. And they think that they can manage that without realizing they have a half a million dollars in debt that they're going to be paying off over the next 10, 20 to 30 years. And so um, that's one of my main missions is to really help people understand do not think like the paycheck to paycheck individual. Think like the millionaire billionaire. How much is this going to cost me? That's the first question. Two, is this worth that cost? Is mm. it? You know, is going to this particular school worth $100,000? Only you can answer that question uh, for yourself. Um, and can I pay for it cash? If you can, if yes to all these questions, uh, to all three of those questions, then you go. You know, is it worth it? Yes. Um, is paying $100,000 worth it? Yes. Okay, cool. Can I pay for it cash? Yes. Go. You know, but if you say no to one of them, don't go. Don't do it. Bottom line. Cash is king, right? And I think a lot of people found that out the hard way during this, during the pandemic. They were like, gosh, you know, that guy Dave Ramsey's right. You know, cash is king. All kidding aside, you know, that it's, I mean, the people that had the least amount of debt probably were the least amount of stress because even though their employment might have been you know, adjusted, at least they had savings, at least they didn't have their bill or payments weren't as much. So I appreciate everything, all the advice you gave on everything from the issues going on today, you know, um, you know, mindset, love, um, you know, student loans, obviously. So what's next for Anthony O'Neill? What do you got coming up? Man, I just released a uh, brand new uh, talk show uh, on YouTube. It's called uh, The Table, uh, where I sit down and just have a real relatable and uh, relevant conversation with today's young people. Uh, really helping them really uh, dive deep deeper into money and understanding money. We're, we're celebrating individuals who are debt-free. We're celebrating individuals who are uh, starting a business. And we're even celebrating, celebrating individuals who are starting the journey to pay off all their debt. So it's a money show, life show. Um, um, every single Monday, we, we, re, we release a new episode. And uh, it's booming over there. About 113, about actually 120,000 family members over there on YouTube. So uh, we're trying to build this thing up to about 250,000 subs by the end of this year. And hopefully one day actually turn this into a show on Netflix or Hulu. And, you know, that's the goal. Uh, Cause I really want to help mm. specifically like that, that 18 to 35, 36 year old, because we have a lot of stuff for young people and we have a lot of stuff for that older person. But I think that young millennial uh, and Gen X, they're kind of skipped over because they're so mm -hmm. young. So 
that's when I made my mistakes and I want to dive into that generation and help them uh, build wealth, get out of debt. And, and here's my thing. Let's not look like we're fake rich. Let's, let's not have fake rich. Let's build true generational wealth. Mm. And that's what I'm doing for my future family. I want my grandkids, kids to know my name. Um, and so uh, that's what I'm focusing on. So go over to youtube.com forward slash Anthony O'Neill. Follow me on Instagram at Anthony O'Neill. And you'll see we just have a real relatable and relevant conversation. Awesome, man. Well, I'll make sure to put all that stuff in the show notes. Anthony, it's been an absolute pleasure. And, you know, for those of you who are listening to this, you know, his story, his expertise, um, his knowledge is something that just cannot be taken for granted. So, Anthony, thank you once again uh, for hopping on here. Hey, Doug, thank you so much for having me, man. We got to work out one day for sure. We will. And I'm coming to Nashville soon, so I'll let y'all know. Let's do it, man. All right, cool. So for those of you who, who love this episode, be sure to hit up Anthony, hit up myself, let us know what you thought, make sure to leave a review. And once again, you're listening to this week's episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bobst, and we will see you next time.